The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. They make coffee brewers. Ever heard of them? If you haven't, you should. They're an awesome family-owned company. They're here in California. They power their facility with solar power, which I hear that's like a new hot thing that progressive people do. The best thing about Curtis, in my humble opinion, is the turnaround time on the brewers. They have a 24-hour turnaround. It's phenomenal. If you've ever ordered a brewer for a wholesale client from someone else and waited and waited and waited for it to come in, you know how frustrating that is. So being able to get the brewer next day like that is absolutely amazing. Shout out to you, Wilbur Curtis. Their customer service is phenomenal. And they just care. They care about you. They care about me. And I care about them. And that's why Cat Cloud Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. On with the show. Peter Cleveland, live reporting, <laughs> San Jose, California. Excuse me, Santa Cruz, California. Peter Cleveland. Peter Cleveland. Peter Cleveland. That's a strong name. That's a powerful name. That is. It really does sound like a powerful name. Actually, it's Peter Ward Cleveland. Peter Ward Cleveland. More powerful. And even. guess what? I'm delighted that I'm Maria because they were strongly considering Ward as my first Ward. name. <laughs> Ward as a first name sets you up to kind of get some Ward. like issues. Oh, sure. Yeah, people will not give you the happiest of times on that one. I don't even know any Wards. It would be character building, right? That's like a, that'd be a good era of naming. That's like, um, geez. How messed World up is War it that II, names though? do that? Yeah. Though? Well, because, yeah, I mean, yeah. my dad was born in the early, you know, 40s. I knew a Ward in. He is maybe as pictured, kind of like a farm, strong, not very socially like fun to be around, very serious. And yeah. I was like, okay, this is that's what a ward is. Well, actually, my grandfather was Ward Cleveland, and um, he and my grandmother emigrated. We'll call it emigrated to yeah, California. Yeah. Yeah. Migrated. It, yeah, migrated, migrated to California. Migrated to California in 19, <laughs> it's, its own thing. Nineteen thirty-nine, actually, from um, Ohio. And my grandfather would tell this very tall tale that the last name of Cleveland, it depended on his mood, which way he would tell it. He would either say, because my name is spelled with an A before the V, not like the city. Mm-hmm. He would either say that uh, the masthead of the newspaper, uh, the A broke, or it wouldn't fit. <laughs> it's It depended on his mood. <laughs> Another but, Ohio. There you go. Is your we family from s- Ohio? Oh, you guys were talking about Ohio recently. Yeah. yeah. And all these great guests, people. Talia yeah. and Tova, yeah. both. From Ohio. Yeah. Super weird. Ohio and... Ohio What do they call house. them? Is Ohio in a thing? Mm, you don't know. Ohio. I don't know. All, all I know about Ohio is someday I will go to a football game at the Ohio State University. Full Buckeye? Yeah. We that should, would be uh, fun. Yeah. Get a trip. We can get like a squad of people. How yeah. cool would that be? Big 12. 30 people <laughs> at a football game. We're with Maria Cleveland, everybody. <laughs> all, who is this? Welcome to the podcast. I like the little bit of mystery before we introduce our guests, even if it's accidental. That was great. That yeah. was cool. I don't even know how to introduce you. So I've known you for forever. As long as I can remember my journey in coffee, you've been there in some way, shape, or form. And I know your history with coffee is like predates mine by a large margin. And... I mean, you're with Ernex now. Yeah. But you've worked for Equator. Yeah. You've worked for Pete's yes. before that in yes. major capacities. Fun stuff. Yes. Fun stuff. How did you. And there was one before that. Oh, I did three that? tours of duty, Roaster Side. Okay. Yes. No what? Yes. Um, so circa, circa 1992, I wasn't having very much fun 
as a concessions manager in in Las Vegas, you Nevada. Weren't? No, can you believe it? <laughs> That's Jared's <laughs> because dream. Because I job. was not a dancer in Vegas. No, but um, I went to visit a friend He's- in. I went to visit a friend in Chicago, and she she lived in Lincoln Park, and so she took me to this coffee place. And the, oh sure. my goodness gracious, those kids look like they're ha- were having fun. They were playing jazz music and the like. And so fade in, fade out. I had to apply at Starbucks, so I became a retail manager in 1993. Heck yeah, rocked out one holiday season. Didn't totally flame out my million dollar store when I was 23. And um, about a year later, I got promoted to move into the licensing team when there was three DMs in the world um, in licensing. We Holy had 50 crap. license locations, and they moved me to... I picked D.C. because I went to school in, in the Northeast, and I got to live with you know two of my friends from college. And I lived in Northern Virginia and managed all the airport stores from Boston Dang. all the way to North Carolina. In young 20s? I was 25. I was, the kid. I was the That's- kid on the team. I was wearing slippers at work. <laughs> Literally wearing slippers to work. <laughs> at 25. I hadn't learned how you had learned. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the fun thing of that experience was um, I got to um, hang out with George Howell a little bit. Met him only once. Um, but in my district of airport stores, I actually managed two coffee connections um, prior to, oh, actually, it was right after Starbucks had bought Coffee Connection in in the Boston area. So, did they just dissolve that when they bought it, or what? How it did took it... time. They in, over time, um, the stores uh, for but for quite a while, you know, they were trying to figure out what to do with that brand because there was twenty three locations, and um, but then over time they converted them. Um, but yeah, I got to you know learn of the can't remember, what is it we call it the flavor flavor roast. Oh, flavor, oh, flavor roast. Right, right. You know, so Gosh, right. Maria. So there you have it. So I learned something new about aroma you roast. every time we hang out, which I love, yeah, actually. So. You've been an encourager of mine since I got into coffee, and that was always fun. You were with Equator at the time, but when we first opened Verve, you popped in and we connected, and you were really, really just encouraging about what I was doing. We were doing there, but you were specifically, you were talking to me. Specifically me. It was, it was true. (laughs) She was encouraging me because it was like three of us. Because you were bringing the heat. I remember, (laughs) no, I remember in LA, the WRBC back, back when we used to to call it, you know, that long acronym. Um, And and, um, you had the swagger, you had your (laughs) towel out of your back pocket and (laughs) you had practiced. You had had really practiced. And that was my second year as a tech judge. Um, Marcus um, Bonnie had put the fear of Marcus um, and Holly Bastin. Well, he put the fear of God in me not to mess up being a tech judge. Um, But then thank God for um, Holly and um, and a few others um, were like, you're going to be okay. You can hang. Oh, you can hang. (laughs) So, um, but no, that was really fun with it's gonna you guys be here. That was intimidating to be a judge back then. I feel like there was a really huge was a separation between who the competitors were and who the judges were. And us as competitors, we looked up to these people who were judges and they're like, oh, they're they're not like us. They're different. They're intense. No, we were all faking it. and just afraid that, that we now. would screw yeah. up your score. <laughs> you guys were royalty then, to I was us. Like, oh, I can't even... Because then the, there were a lot more walls too. It's like, you should not approach a judge You oh, know, during yeah. that whole weekend. And right. people are just like, can I even say hi to you? How does it work? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember Brent Fortune would always be like, hey, how's it going? Like real quick on the plane. I hope things are going well. Okay, see you later. I can't, can't talk to you. Can't be too nice to <laughs> you. Like, okay, can't cool. be too nice to cool. you. Cool. <laughs> also, I put you in as a conflict. I can't judge you because we're friends. People know we're friends. I'm like, gosh. Okay. It's like <laughs> that. We're so me. intense. It's like that. When you no. started at Starbucks when you were 23, right. saying, and then 
later got promoted, what at what point did you realize or even think that, oh, like my career is in this world of coffee now? Yeah. Um, well, I actually over this, and so next year it'll be 25 years, if you can believe it. Um, I've had a couple ins and outs, right? It's, it's, it's actually, it's in my heart. Um, but, um, it was an amazing experience, um, opening all those stores and, and worked a ton, learned a lot, learned that, um, you know, you have to just be, have confidence in what you know is the standard and withhold, uphold the standard. But back in the day, you know, as long as the shot of espresso was between 18 and 23 seconds, everything was just fine. But, um, but, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty driven individual kind of type A and I stepped off the Starbucks bus <laughs> and to move back to the Bay area. I wanted to be closer to my family and whatnot. And so I, um, I ran, um, uh, HR, for a um, off-premise catering company. Uh, some folks that had gone, to, the founder had gone to Cornell and was many years older than, than myself. And I had an opportunity to help them put together a little bit more of a HR function. So I did that for several years. And then when the dot-com bubble burst, mm. that coffee industry was so recession-proof. Right. So that's how I got back into, <laughs> that's how I got back into coffee. Uh, and then did you go to Pete's from there? Right, right. And actually somebody you guys know, I know that Jared knows is Amy Lewis. Um, yeah. I, I owe a lot of Six my, degrees. Six degrees. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So Amy um, was on the original Starbucks specialty sales team. And so when I was a young store manager, she would roll into our store picking, you know, my store to pick up samples or whatever. I'm like, whoa, I want to do that when I grow up. So um, Amy was putting together the wholesale Man. and licensing team. Yeah. Yeah. I actually often forget that you two knew each other back then. It's such a, I mean, that was like a pivotal time for coffee in America though. You know, I mean, that's espresso culture. It was starting to burst. Mm -hmm. So what you, year was that when you joined Pete's? Pete's, 2000. 2000. 2000, right? Okay. Um, so the company had just gone public. Um, I both, both Pete's and Starbucks, I missed the IPO by like, I don't know, six months. But oh. uh, whatever. <laughs> no, big deal. No, big deal. No, big, no big thing. My Beanstalk did, did, I actually cashed out after three years. I was, you know. You still had what, some stock? I had some, yeah. Isn't that legit? Some, that was some cash to burn when you're, you know, when you're 26. Like, yeah, let's go. Um <laughs> I want that. Oh it was $35,000. It was a that's lot. That's amazing. Dude, cashing oh. in 35K? Three, for only three years of service, that's a lot of money. That's a lot so of money. So, Holy So geez. those that actually have an opportunity to do that beanstalk, you are, you're getting 15% discount on, you know, if you suck away 100 bucks a week, you know, you're getting a 15% discount. That's... Assuming the stock goes up, but, right. but come on. I, I, was, want, I was betting ooh. on myself. 26. Yeah, you were making it happen. 35 grand. I wouldn't even know what to do. I'd probably if I got a 35 down, yeah, I'd be like, new car. You, you seem like you were a little more advanced than I was when I was 26, perhaps. Seem yeah. like. You were What's your obviously. education like? Like, you know, when I hear someone's like, oh, yeah, I just got this HR position. H how? Um, so I have a business degree um, okay. with a focus in um, hospitality. So I went to the hotel school at Cornell. Okay. Yeah. So there you have it. So. Cornell. Didn't Big Chill. Tuna on The Office just claim Cornell <laughs> all the tuna. time? He sure did. Yeah. <laughs> Andy? Yeah. I was totally. like, where's Cornell talked about so much is The Office? Yeah. You went to a legit Take that school. sweatshirt off. Yeah. So. Exactly. You didn't go to Cornell. You didn't go to Cornell. Yeah. You didn't go to Cornell. 
But it's a pro. I mean, it's a business. It's let's face it. It's a business school, right? right. And um, but I was always enamored with the food and beverage portion of it all. Okay. Um, and um, my you know my mom was always delighted that my that I I went there and my brother became a chef. She's like, oh, if nothing else, they'll never be unemployed, right? They'll always be able to feed themselves. So right. Yeah. Have so. you always been interested in food and beverage? Yeah, I, I, I think it's I think it's you know my family upbringing. Um, my you know my mom's side of the family is Portuguese, so food. It's very important. Come on, represent. on right? yeah, I'm there with you, yeah. girlfriend. Right, and then my, you know, then my father, um, having, you know, when I was growing up, he was, uh, he was, was first a, a radio correspondent for the ABC affiliate here, but then he, he, then went to the network, and he was always traveling. Okay. Right, and so that's kind of planted the seed to, wow, there's far away places that I could be a business person and whatnot. So, so I think that, and then my mom was a travel agent, so that. And the, but we're always foodies and you're always trying new foods out. And so coffee, I could do a deep dive into coffee. And right? it sounds like you never had the bubble of like, you get a career where you live. It sounds like everybody in your family was like, you have this open box of it's like, I can go anywhere and work anywhere. I can, I can be in this world. Yeah. They all were all over the place. That's cool. Cause a lot of people don't get raised that way. They get raised like, here's where you live. You either go to school here and then you get a job somewhere and that's where you are. It sounds like you had this perspective where you're like, the world is my oyster. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm lucky. I mean, I'm just That's super, cool. I'm just yeah, I'm just fortunate to where you, you know, where you're born, right? And the family you're right. born into and um, you know, the values that they give you of trusting yourself and being self-sufficient and, you know, had some very strong, you know, female role models in my family yeah. to just crush it. Um, it's actually on my on my mom's side of the family. It's most of the women who went off to go to college and things of that nature. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. Get it done. Did you? That's, what did you start at in Pete's? Like, what was your position? Your intro level? So I was um, hired as an account executive slash account manager, right? Okay. Um, which is really, I think, where most you know whole wholesale departments should start off. Uh, if you know of if you're going to close an account, right? If you're going to uh, acquire that piece of business, you should roll them out. You should be their account manager. You mm -hmm, should mm -hmm. be the person who trains them and learn, learn that side of things of it's hard to get a new account. So yeah. I'll be darn, you <laughs> should take care of them like gold. Right. And, mm -hmm. um, and so, um, so I was hired to, to do that. And also we were, um, well, I won't call, use it pioneering. We we're, um, trying a new distribution strategy. Beta testing? Nah. Well, you can claim pioneering. You can yeah, pioneering. pioneering. Claiming yeah. pioneering is well, fine. Well, um, in terms of broadline distribution, right? So broadline distributors would be, you know, Cisco yeah. or U.S. Foods. Well, in the up in the, the San Francisco area, there's buy right. Uh, mm -hmm. Food service distributors, which is a family-owned um, yeah. distribution, and so we, so as as Pete's, we had hadn't gone uh, into that distribution channel yet. So, uh, so yeah, so that was fun. Rad. Going and selling along with folks that you know maybe don't know a lot about coffee and teaching them and all that. At the time when you're opening or helping set up these new accounts and basically dressing up people for success, what is the rate that you're doing at that? At? Are there? Do you have? You know accounts coming online every week or is it a big account every there was month? Or? I mean, there was times right when we were scaling, when we were just getting going, we'd have inquiries because there was not a lot of competition at the time. Right. In it, Coming into our wholesale line where someone would call like the order, you know, five pounds of Major Dickerson to go to them in Birmingham, Alabama or Paducah, Kentucky. We would get people calling us. 
I'd like your coffee wholesale, about 20 to 30 leads a week. And Jeez. of that, we would qualify 10% of them. We right. had certain, certain criteria for qualifying them. And um, so at the beginning, you know, we had to pick a pick of the litter, right? Um, and um, so there was times where, yeah, we were bringing on maybe, you know, a count a week, two, three counts a week. Yeah. That's busy. So, that was super busy. That was super busy. And during that time, um, I worked with a, just an amazing team, um, Lisa KS, Tom Arcaleo, Melanie Markin in the in the Northeast. Um, and one of the best times though is we we landed uh, the Omni Hotel chain, and that was forty six locations, and there were six of us on the rollout team. I don't know what what I did to draw this straw. I got on the East Coast team, so oh, every other week I'm on a plane every Sunday night to go to some other city and we're going to then roll out two to two to three cities in one week. So we had this pattern, what we would do, you know, we'd roll into town. Um, none of our, our equipment would be in yet. You know, I didn't roll with my own coffee. Um, and you know, so then we'd go to a, you know, a local coffee place in the morning with our, our nerdy Pete's, you know, shirts with on, the little embroidered you know, thing yeah, on. it was like chambray shirts, right? Oh, this, yeah. is, this, is, this is like 82, which would be yeah. really or cool 92 right rather, now. Yeah. Or, or 02, whatever. Yeah. yeah. I've done this for a while. <laughs> Can't even get the decades right. But yeah, no, it was, it was just, I mean, that's a bonding experience. If you're doing 23 hotels over a summer with your buddies, that's, that's pretty memorable. You're having yeah. fun oh. and you're working really hard. Oh yeah. What was the driving force? What was your, your favorite part about all of that? It sounds, you know, you're working like crazy. Yeah. I mean, we're, you had a team that you just adored working yeah. with. Right. And you're, you know, we built, and I was reflecting on this the other day because I was um, at a hotel in Southern California that um, needed some love and attention. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I made a joke that there was a global shortage in coffee equipment cleaners because I work for Ernex now. And, um, and actually, the last two days, I, you know, trained, you know, the banquet staff and, and the um, restaurant staff, you know, and lead and inspire them to be stoked to clean yeah. the equipment. And, um, but I was, ref- in doing so, I was reflecting on the bulletproof nature of our rollouts and um, the fear of God that we would put into people. And it was almost, you know, do Alfred Pete right and brew the coffee fresh, keep it fresh and clean the equipment, please. Um, so, um, so the team was super focused. We actually got the wholesale program into what I call a repeatable process that is, um, it just, it just makes it easier to bring on accounts when you just have like a process for prospecting, tasting, and, you know, then, you know, a system of rollout and training, then it just, it's fun. And we're developing it together. So that's what made it cool because there was no playbook. There was no, you know, there was no wholesale department before, um, you know, Amy Lewis and, and, and Jeff um, put it together. So, you know, we had to write the manual. We had to write the manual for Bon Appetit Management Company or Sodexo. Of, yeah. this, is how you, this is how you do our brand. That's proper. awesome. I mean, yeah. that is huge because you're making crazy impact you're allowing yourself to have you're being creative all over the place with a team i mean there's that feels good sure no matter what you're doing so that to do it on such a scale to know you're having such an impact is actually totally i I totally vibe with why you would be so psyched on that job yeah you're changing the world of coffees in specialty for real at that point what was it like that time so in that era, there's not a ton of competition mm-hmm. in specialty coffee. Did people think you were crazy? 
I mean, obviously, if you're going to go online with Omni and like move over this big hotel chain yeah. to specialty coffee from whatever they were serving before mm-hmm. and or nothing, and people have a certain idea of how coffee works, and mm-hmm. then you roll in with your crew and everything's just at this weird next level of like, well, wait, it's just like, what the fuck is happening? It's coffee. I right. don't get it. Did yeah. you get any of that? Well, or? I think, yeah, there were some that, you know, we had to... Um, help them understand that no the coffee isn't too strong it'll be okay you're actually going to have guests that love this they will love this i remember particularly it was in um i think it was somewhere in florida that the wait staff was just not they were like we were really nervous when we left that they would use like a third of a of the bag and like so you explain to them so there was a lot of education like hey well really what what's going to happen if you only use a third of the bag of coffee you're going to over extract the coffee and so you actually learn by by teaching um some fundamentals of that that coffee's over extracted and you have to actually get your pitch down really tight mm-hmm. so that anybody can understand it and and, um and as i said um you know talk about where the coffee comes from how many people have to touch it before they get it um so that they are going to be loving with uh with the beans and the equipment was there did you see things start to change i don't know well when did you move from pete's to Equator? To Equator. So um, that was, I was there, I was at Pete's for just over six years and okay. um, then then joined Helen, Brooke, Maureen, um, and Carlos. Um, Were you in wholesale? In wholesale, that was it. That yeah. was, that, I mean, um, Helen had sold every account that had come on to the, the company prior to me coming on board. Um, she and I worked hand in hand and it got to a point, I mean, I was there for six years. <laughs> like after a while we would have folks come in for tastings and we could finish each other's sentences. We had it. Oh my God. We had so much fun selling together. It was too much. Um, but it was myself and Carlos Alfaro who was uh, an amazing uh, account manager, tech, um, handsome guy. So all the ladies <laughs> loved when he came in to, to help them out and, and things of that nature, but, a, but an amazing tech. I kind of have two questions that are related to that period of time, especially in the Bay Area and just kind of that era overall, which is, one, did you see wholesale starting to change with all these newer roasters kind of popping up and the market's a little bit more saturated? Mm -hmm. And then to tack on to the back of that, the experience of selling at a company that at the time had no retail outlets is probably its own little challenge. That's Mm -hmm. right. Right. Yes. And so that was a a period where it was maybe the first two years. Um, we, you know, had inbound leads, there was prospecting, um, and you know, times, you know, doing everybody's favorite thing, which is cold calling. Yeah. Super fun. Super fun. (laughs) I think nothing can make you feel weird. Have you heard of me than a cold call? Hey, it's me. Actually, the first time, the first time I ever I actually ever call, cold called anybody. It was actually Rob Goldberg who uh, who was um, running um, the F- Plump Jack. I don't know if you remember Plump Jack no, group in San Francisco. There was, was like five, six restaurants. Actually, um, Gavin Newsom was an investor in oh, Plump really? Jack back in the day. Yeah, okay. when he became mayor, he mayor divested Gav. his interest. Yeah, Mayor Navin, thank you. I actually shook his hand the day that uh, no the Supreme Court... Um, said yeah we could get married that's awesome yeah the, that's amazing. Um, whatever i digress sorry about that no, but no, that's um, awesome that's cool. yeah no but i picked up that's the phone funny. i was actually skiing in tahoe and at the plump jack at at um squaw and the coffee was 
not great. <laughs> and and so I, I I befriended the bar the bar manager or the bartender, and I said, so who, I don't know who's the boss. Who, who should I talk to? He says you sh- you should call Rob Goldberg. So so that I get home on Monday and I call Rob Goldberg, and I'll be darned, he called me back. And the rest was history. There you have it. That's and, a one in a million, and, right yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So whatever. It kind of helped me get over the fear of cold calling people. Like, yeah. what's the worst that can happen? You know, Meg loves me. My mom loves me. I don't care. Fine. It's okay. Did you have uh, success with cold calling in general? Or I mean, I know it's a low percentage. Yeah, of turn it's pretty low. Like that. It's, yeah, for for the most part, you're gonna want a warm lead. You're gonna yeah. want some reason that they've known you before right. or some type of referral. Um, and, um, and particularly, um, at Equator, what I started to do, and I wasn't poaching old Pete's accounts, but I would work the relationships that I had, I had developed when I was, was scaling the, the, um, the wholesale department there. Yeah. Yeah. But, but there was some time in between because at Pete's then I, half of my time that I was there, I was in wholesale and then I, um, put together a store support department, which I just, all I did there was pattern it after a woman who was my, like when I was in retail ops at Starbucks, uh, this woman, uh, Kathy Lindemann, I was like, I'm just going to do everything that Kathy Lindemann used to do and, and we're going to be fine. So that's called lore. I mean, that's just learning from people. That's, that's it. Yeah. I feel yeah. like that's what everybody does. And then just tweak it to fit what they're trying to do and their values and their vision. Yeah. yeah. That's it's, what you should do. It's interesting too, how you talk about using your contacts, but not like actively poaching accounts because yeah. as someone who's in sales, yeah. you know, you, you're representing yourself as a salesperson yeah. and you're yeah. also a brand ambassador. Yeah. And I feel like you have only so much, um, I don't know, so much clout when you're like, yeah, this thing I'm doing now, it's the best. You should buy coffee yeah. for me. Actually, now this other thing I'm yeah. doing, we're now the best. Yeah. You should buy coffee for me again. And some people are in this, like, that's like their cycle. Right. And you only have so much yeah. currency yeah. to spend in that way. Or people are like, okay, you're just a sales whatever <laughs> yeah and there's a certain degree of integrity that you need to have right and, and you know and it's picking your friends right picking your friends and then also picking those accounts that or the you know those competitors will say that um just do not execute and do not do well by their customer base right being that they have not consulted because it's a consultative sale let's face it and they're they're not helping that cafe or that restaurant or that hotel grow and evolve in the marketplace Mm -hmm. and so those were always the ones that i'm like that's a target right right um so you know if it could you like you look at something like it could so be better and they could be you know having a better experience for their guests yeah i mean that's what we i was talking about that with our guy alex yesterday when he was just talking about you know connecting and talking with people and i'm like well what are we what are we offering to help them improve their business? It's like, yeah. we're young. We know our product is quality, but we're not like a brand that people are like, well, except for maybe the internet who listens to us. But like in the world out here, they don't necessarily know what cat and cloud means. So at this point, I'm like, well, how can we show them that we're here to actually help mm-hmm. versus just sell them coffee? Right. Because we actually don't just want to sell them coffee. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so playing to the relationship, yeah, that's not the same thing as sell- selling, even though it works. Mm-hmm. You're truly there to help somebody and you've built trust with them. Well, and hopefully you are not just trying to sell them coffee and exactly. you believe that your business will be better should you choose to go with us. Like right. here's some things that we can do that hopefully different than someone 
someone else can do, but like hopefully it's a win-win. Right. Because I don't know, selling is really hard for me. And I see the days of just selling quote unquote coffee as like coming to an end really, really fast mm-hmm. because there's so much coffee. Like right. there's no possible way you can compete on quality when there's so much yeah. high quality out there. Right. You're buying into like this feeling, this emotion. Mm-hmm. And like hopefully like you can look at that person like, yeah, I made this person's store busier. I made them right. be able to... I taught them how to move more retail, through, like just working, like actually working together. I don't know. I'd love to see somebody be able crazy. to open multiple stores because they learned from us. Sure. Right. That's really like the goal, right? Mm-hmm. And then everybody can continue to win. Yeah. Resources point. outside of brewing knowledge, mm-hmm. coffee knowledge. Like, cool. Here's like a financial template that we yep. use. This is how we crunch all our numbers. At. Absolutely. If you go with us, like you can have access to this and we it. can review it with you and you should totally do that. And you're right. going to be crushing it for days. That's right. Like, Oh, here, like don't be making an opening checklist, closing checklist. Here's ours. Yeah. Right. And Oh, by the way, if you make it better, that'd be great if you shared it with us. Yeah. Right. Um, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah. Al- but straight also, up. Circle but, of life in there. Yeah. But also, I mean, because, well, let's face it, there's folks that, that get into this this biz and they think it's easy, right? No, man. And um, so, right? It's, there's it's a lot that, the dollars that are in the details. It's, the dollars are in the, the details. The dollars are in the details. Yeah. It's so key. What did you do at Equator to, you know, maybe ease the tension of people who were skeptical because you didn't have a retail space? Or is that a thing Yeah, for oh, it's you? definitely a thing. Yeah. It's definitely a thing. And so... Um, if you know, if, if you have you know have them on the phone or you're in a meeting, then you know you're the company you keep, right? And um, and so therefore, you know, um, at the you know at the time we had some great cafe accounts. Um, we also you know in the city, in terms of restaurant accounts, Tracy Desjardins um, at you know Jardinier was an important partner of ours, and of course um, Thomas, Thomas Keller, Keller Restaurant Group. And so in that sense, those that were then nervous about us being able to execute in a retail environment, we had Bouchon to point to. Right. And, um, and Helen and Brooke and, um, and Maureen and the rest of the team had rolled out, of course, Yauntville originally, and then really were so consultative when they opened in New York at um, Columbus Circle. So how that, this has always been a question of mine. How does somebody connect with those caliber of people, you know, Thomas Keller and Bouchon and all that. It's like, where did that come from? And I'm saying that basically, (laughs) well, okay. And I'm saying that like, Thomas had had a cup of coffee. Okay. A block away. And it was on point because Mm -hmm. that is how you grow a wholesale program is that you execute every week, each and every week. You have training programs. You have regiment. You go visit that customer every eight weeks. Gotcha. Because that is your brand. So he just and had so a cup of coffee. And so therefore, we held steadfast and continue, they as an organization, continue right. to hold steadfast to the fact that if that cup of coffee is being brewed elsewhere, you need to be as nervous about it as you are nervous about it in your retail store mm-hmm. because that is your brand. Yeah. And when it is a bad cup of coffee, it's not the execution at the cafe level. It's not their fault. It's the coffee's fault, right? And that's actually what I do now. It's like, you know, it's never because the operator didn't back flush their machine in like eight weeks or <laughs> clean their servers. <laughs> no, it's never their fault. It's, you know, but... Yeah. I, so he essentially had a cup of coffee and connected he with loved you guys. It. He picked up the phone and called him, had him up for a tasting. Rest is history. That's powerful. 
for anybody out there, that's, I mean, that's extremely powerful to have somebody like that reach out. That's awesome. Yeah. I was, I always wondered that I'm like, okay, this person's pretty high caliber. And then as you said, you've got this person who everybody knows is about quality just saying like, hi, I have their coffee. So you don't really have to work like it's quality, obviously. Yeah. But, but, but then by the same token though, is you always, you know, you have to, you, uh, you got to stay on point, of right? course. you know, of course. And, and there's no letting down your guard. And so, you know, over time, you know, um, couldn't just, you know, organic French wasn't going to cut it. Right. And so we got to play with other Rose Profiles, mm-hmm. Brooke um, and David Poole at the time. It was our green coffee buyer um, who then went on to do, you know, amazing things with the QA department and the green sourcing strategy for Farmer Brothers. Um, so, yeah. And you were in sales the whole time oh, yeah. you were there. That's your game. 100%. And you all love day, it. Every day. You're like all about it. Well, you know, interestingly enough, um, I, I do love sales from an operations perspective, right? Okay. I do, lo- you know, in terms of building programs that are going to be sustainable mm-hmm. and scalable, though that's very that's really fun, and so that like feeds that operator hat in gotcha. me in the hospitality background of, you know, growing up. You know, before, like when I was working for Aramark, um, you know, I was in concessions management. That was really awesome. I sold, you know, hot dogs and, and, um, everybody needs and, them. You know, hot yeah. dogs Gotta and beers hot and dog. all this and yeah. that. So, but I'm a nerd. You know, it's like I'm a coffee nerd, but I'm an operations nerd. So, like, you'd go to a baseball stadium. I'm like, as stoked to like check out the concession stands. What kind of gear do they have? Yeah. What kinds of, you know, and I went to in February, I, um, Anastasia Chauvin, who's now at Marco Beverage Systems mm-hmm. and, we've been friends for years um she invited me to go to nafm i don't know if you've ever heard I that know it's NAFM a, is. a national association of food equipment manufacturers oh, no. oh i called you right after that yeah. we talked yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It was insane. Insane. so it's so it's curtis every, goes too right yeah, like, oh yeah, yeah yeah the curtis crew was that in anaheim at the na- whole thing they or? actually it, it trades off it's either in anaheim or in orlando okay. so i i got the, to get to it's orlando for Disney. the <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh, i don't know so that's kind of whatever. Yeah. Because your personality to me, you have like aspects of that go-getter sales person. Like, like I said, you're like pretty type A, you know, you know what you want, you got a good idea, but you're a lot less corny than some right. of the other like strict salespeople I know. Mm-hmm. There's like more layers and there's authenticity to you. Yeah. Where in some, you're like, this person is buttoned up on cause they're putting on their show. Right. Yeah. This you're, is me every you're day. You're not. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love that. Yeah. It's all, all the time. What is, like, when you started getting involved in the barista competitions, because you said you were judging, did you do anything before that with the SCAA or were you ever no, involved in actually, that arena? My, no, actually, my first, um, first SCAA was in, I think it was 2007, the, the year that, you know, uh, that I joined Equator. I'd never been before, right? You're, you know, you're in the bubble, right? Mm -hmm. We invented coffee. Why would you need to go to SCAA? Um, Right? (laughs) Um, But, um, yeah, so so I'm like, wow, there's a big bad world out there. Oh, whoa, things are being done differently. Maybe if I want to continue to grow and evolve in this industry, I got to up my game. And I don't know much. I continue to don't. I continue to know very little. And so I'm like, well, how am I going to get out of my co- outside of my comfort zone? Oh, there's this barista competition thing going on. Okay, right. let, let me go get involved. So that 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 got me like 
really outside of my comfort zone because um, my barista skills were okay, but I wanted them to be better. And um, but then I'll tell you what took it one louder was um, Greg uh, Hort, who had come to work for us, and he um, had moved down from the Washington area, was a stump town devotee, and had gotten a graduate degree by um, in Chicago going to Metropolis every day and drinking shots of espresso every day. And so when he came on board at Equator, I was like, even more so, oh, I can, I do need to get better at Yo, this. This is getting real yeah. right now. Yeah, no, he was, no, he's, he's a sweet guy and really, um, you know, um, I think I, you know, we exchanged, you know, things that we knew, right, of, of you know, this is, this is how, you know, I managed a, you know, a team of eight at Pete's mm. and then he, you know, took me to task on my barista skills in a kind way. That eye of just being willing to make an evolution is so huge. The first coffee job that I ever had where I grew up was, I didn't realize it at the time, but way ahead of the curve in terms of everything else. So this is, this company started in like the late eighties, early nineties. And I started working there like around 2000 and they were part, it was a cafe. They owned a roasting company too. And we were dosing espresso manually, mm -hmm. tamping it, like pulling it manually, like, you know, starting and stopping the pump, which it was kind of my first exposure to espresso. So I didn't know that not everybody did that. And most people just pushed a button. Mm -hmm. And again, at the time, like the latte culture was just kind of starting to mm -hmm. build from, mm -hmm. you know, Star Starbucks wasn't even in our town yet. And I didn't know it at the time, but I right. found out much later when I started working at Ritual, I saw the tech guy who worked for the company mm -hmm. at the SCAA show. And I was like, oh, you you started coming to these things. And he's like, we've been coming to these things since like the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. And I never know that they went and they were exposed to this whole, like all the same stuff that you're talking about. But their attitude was like, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. This is just something that we go to for whatever reason. All this is just like bullshit, smoke and mirrors. And like, they were sitting on, on, like on the front of an industry that they, you know, you could own. You know, if you're in the game that early and you pay attention to those things, I don't know. I just saw this crazy missed yeah. opportunity. So learn something, please, yeah. everybody out there. I know, but I remember um, when you two had left to go on your um, mid, we'll call it mid California sojourn. Yeah, right. <laughs> you remember, right? Oh, one yeah, one of you was kicking in slow, uh -huh. yeah. right? Where the Portuguese go? Yeah. Oh, I just made a Santa rhyme. Barbara, yeah. yeah, Santa Barbara, a little. Um, San Luis Obispo, but I remember the year of that, and you came to SCAA. There was two A's at the time. Still yeah. A's, yeah. Right. two A's. But. And you and I had a chat about that you're drinking some dark roast coffee and how that was okay. And yeah. I'm like, absolutely, right? Every you know, every bean has a home, and you mm -hmm. know, every mood has a coffee. Um, that brings me around to um, you know all different types of equipment too, right? And that goes mm -hmm. back to the kind of nerdy operator is um, you know. I could tell you the difference between, you know, a Marzocco, a Slayer, a Seneso, but then I can go into the super automatics, like two-step automatics, Cher, you know, Cher, Frankie, yeah. Ranchilio, um, you know, the guys at Unique have, a, have an amazing machine as well. And, you know, and then um, there's, there's many others that are coming onto the marketplace. But, um, and so I think that is helpful for me and what I do now is that I know those pieces of equipment. And right. it's kind of weird to be at a point in your career where you're going to be consultative for your customers, right? As, yeah. At Ernex, we have to we have to drive value of mm -hmm. like, okay, I know your equipment, I know your coffee, I know your program, and can we please help you 
um, in terms of, you know, training and execution. Yeah, depth of knowledge is huge, especially when you're in the field. I mean, you know, right? you're selling... You want to keep people to keep it clean, but like any added benefit that you can right. have, and you've got a lot of experience. So yeah. you're like a little encyclopedia, like walking around for people. Nah. You probably know what they need to know. <laughs> There's like a nine out of 10 chance that I would say. I keep wondering. <laughs> probably. You, you, you joined the SCAA, whatever, later at that time, 2007. Sure. Was there a moment where you re fell in love with coffee experiencing that whole, everybody's doing it different, you know? Cause I, mm-hmm. I, I would assume coming from a place where you've tasted coffee in these styles for so long sure. that there's both the, I'm not sure about this, but then there's the one where it gets you right. Where you have like this sour coffee you feel like, or it's really sour and weird and acid, <laughs> but then somebody at some point got you and got you to be a believer in more so of a way than just like they're doing it different. Right. Right. Do you remember well, that? Yeah, that was a bit. Of, that was a little bit of an evolution, but I actually know the coffee that really. I was like, oh, I'm kind of, I've, I'm in love forever in a day. Um, so years ago, there was a Pete's Misty Valley, which oh, was yeah. the first time I put my nose in a bag. I'm like, there are blueberries in here, and it was it's like first time that I'd had a natural um, that I was like, oh, okay, I understand now. Mm. And then fade in, fade out. There um, was the Ethiopia Marl Gallo brought to market. Um, it was Ashkenaz Thomas, and I was inspired by the fact that she was the first female, um, you know, mill owner exporter in Ethiopia. Yeah. Wow, crazy! Um, but the coffee was amazing, and um, that was probably. And I remember that was one of Joseph's first projects at 90 plus. And they had done a whole book. It was like a thing. I'm like, who are these 90 plus people? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Um, so, um, but that was like, okay, this is a big world out there. And Maureen um, McHugh had um, been volunteering for the International Women's Coffee Alliance for years. And so kind of understanding where she was coming from and starting to go to the breakfasts at SCA. Yeah, and it's Saturday morning. Yeah. A lot of people don't go because it's Saturday morning, but hey, you know, <laughs> we are working, whatever. And we've got the easy job in coffee, which is to just, I don't know, brew it and sell it at the end of the supply chain. Um, so that, so does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was like, yeah. oh, there's this big world out there. And I, and I got the easy end of it just to like learn how to, Right. right. I put it in this thing and push the button that make sure all these things are right. Yeah. yeah. Which is, you know, it takes care and attention to detail, but yeah. yeah. That perspective respects and respect. Yeah. Are you going to write a book? Yeah, you should for sure. Write a book? Yeah. Oh, I got, I got a lot to do between now and when I'm 62. Or just, so, yeah. two, so three years ago, I actually um, decided, Meg, my partner, um, said, you know, I was gone a little bit of a sojourn and like, what do I want to do when I grow up? Maybe I'll never grow up. That's, which is fine. Um, and I just, and I put myself on a 17 year plan. 17. 62. Okay. Right. And so now if I say it on, you know, it's on, happening on the now. world, it's got to happen. Um, is so my pre-retirement job, cause I don't think at 62, I'm going to want to like punch out for sure nah, is um, I just want to go tell stories at university, right? right. It'd be a guest lecturer. Right. So that'll be like, so my, my dream would be the fall, fall semester in Ithaca, New York. Okay. Right. Cause it's beautiful there. Cause you know, Ithaca is gorgeous. Yeah. Blueberry right? got patches yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And, the, like, the yeah, and, and, and then, trees. and then the, and then the other part of the year, 
San Francisco, wherever, traveling. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So, so do, will I write a book? If, to be a guest lecturer, maybe you might need a master's degree or something like that. So I don't know. Maybe I am going to have to write Let's something. feel like all these stories that we're just kind of touching the tip of the iceberg about are really interesting and you have a unique perspective coming from where you come from and working in this industry at the time that you did and like... I, I want to know more. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, we're gonna we're gonna talk for well, you know, this chunk of time. But there's I don't know. It's like the history of. It's almost like the history of Bay Area coffee with a little with the narrator. And it's, I don't know. It'd be so cool because I see people writing books, and some of them are okay, and some of them I buy, and some of them are interesting. But I like stories. I was a history major in college, so Sweet. I like hearing about why things are the way they are and the thought process behind how industry unravels or sure. how cultural movements unravel. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be cool. So I'm just throwing that out there. All right. uh, I would buy Can I, I'll tell copies. you one of my favorite cupping stories. Okay. Yes. okay. Let's do this. <laughs> so I, um, Doug Welsh is very kind to me. Um, you know, he's the green coffee guru now at Pete's, right? But he was, he was trained by Jim Reynolds, right? And then, of course, Jerry Baldwin, who I had an opportunity to, you know, get to know over the years. Um, I, I'll call it that I was his, his coffee um, Sherpa at the uh, Aspen Food and yes. Wine Festival, which was, who doesn't want to be, you know, Everyone Jerry's to be there. Sherpa. Jerry, and, um, but, but we got to spend a, a bunch of time together. So there was a day that um, the Doug was having his cupping um, and, it, and, um, and Jim was there and Jerry comes in. And then I look around the room like, well, three out of four of us worked at Starbucks before. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah, whatever. That's yeah. amazing. That, not, as, my father, that, that, as, as my father says, you know, that in 50 cents will not buy you a cup of coffee, but whatever. It's just a story. <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. amazing. I remember I heard Jerry talk at that out-of-the-box thing yes. in Berkeley. I was Do you remember that? that he showed up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I didn't really quite understand who he was at the time because I was still, I didn't know all the history stuff. And I was like, who is this guy? What is he talking about? And he's talking about the good old days. He's talking about we were doing this before everybody else and these pictures. And I looked into it a little bit more deeply. <laughs> I actually tried to get a hold of Jerry uh, six or eight months ago. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. I couldn't find him. I got really, really close. Really close? Yeah. Well, he does make wine in he makes Sonoma. Wine, yeah. And it's amazing. We, I, we just signed up for their wine club. We dumped oh. a, another club up in Sonoma. I'm like, this is a club worth doing. Yeah, that went, vertical on his Zinfandel is, is I heard his Zinfandel's lovely. out of control. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah, I went through Kent uh, Baki and I was I got an email and he's all, Jerry says you can email him after this specific date and it was for a SCA talk I was doing I wanted to go talk to him because it was about um, like converting consumers to specialty and mm. bringing mm -hmm. a product that's kind of new to the the mass market or sure. a specialty product to the mass market and I just kind of wanted to hear his experience yeah. doing that when he did well I don't want to steal his thunder he'll you'll meet him someday I'm sure. yeah I'm sure. I'm sure but he I guess at the opening in Harvard Square he admonished a guest who didn't, who didn't want to buy a grinder. And he said something like, we source the best coffees from all over the world. We roast them with love in the Bay Area and we get it to you within 10 days. The least you can do is buy a grinder. <laughs> so sick. <laughs> That's amazing. That's super tight. Do yourself right. The least you can do. That's so rad. That's but, a he, hard but he did sale. so in a very kind oh, man. 
manner and yeah yeah you know because it's you know from my perspective you can say those types of things if you do so with a smile and also with a guest that that can get yeah. where you're coming from yeah. and it's not you can't say that in a in a manner that is um, not with heart and hospitality. Yeah. Well, you, we talk about this all the time, is that Jared says the craziest shit that I could never say to people yes. who they're just like, oh yeah, that's fine. It's cool. You know, they know where it comes from. It's a good place. Delivery's perfect. It's like, if I said that, I'd be in trouble. Big trouble. <laughs> I'd wager all three of us could say that same statement to the right person and get away with it. Scott, for you, you go levels deeper. I do sometimes, yeah, all the time, <laughs> <laughs> all the time. How how did you transition into being at Ernex? There was another coffee hiatus. Yeah, there was. Yeah. I, I did another walkabout. I did a walkabout for three years. <clears throat> um, uh, so, uh, uh, Sue Sarich, who I went to Cornell with, started uh, Susie Cakes Bakeries, and um, and she made me an offer I couldn't refuse. I think it was from my perspective, I needed to prove something to myself, get super close to the till retail operations. She brought me on board as the VP of retail ops. And I'll tell you the coffee business is easier than baking. I believe you. I bet. Baking is so hard, so complex. We baked everything from scratch. I started when there were six locations um, and, you know, um, got them to, to a, a dozen, which I thought was a nice round number, right? Yeah. I yeah, had to put together a really six nice team and this and that. I'm like, I'm going to, my coffee people, I'm cool. I miss them. We're good. Yeah. I'm going to go now. So, um, so I did some consulting projects. I had a, that, as I said, my partner Meg was sweet enough to let me um, go on my, she calls it my vision, vision quest. Yeah. And she's a project manager. So we actually, we boarded it, you know, like, you know, you know, you, oh, you like, like storyboard. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, like, or, you know, you, you like say things you want to do, but then she'd write them down and hold, you know, hold Did me accountable. Yarn, like, connecting no, it, yarn, like, like, no, 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 not like just finding like, a murderer or anything no. like that. Triangulation. <laughs> Here, if I do these two things, yeah. I'll be on this axis. So there we are. Anyhow, but, um, yeah, I, um, I had, uh, Done some consulting, and then I um, spent a, a year with uh, with Laura and the team at Espresso Supply, which is an important distributor for Ernex. Um, but but the I really wanted coming back into coffee. Wanted to work for Josh, um, who is the owner of Ernex. Um, he and I have been been good friends since um, since the year two thousand and one. I think I was walk, walking the floor at the NRA show and walked by his booth, and he saw that I worked for Pete's. Like hey, and I was like about to go by. I'm like yeah, Ernex, love it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. been using it forever. The packets, yeah. Um, but he's like, "Come <laughs> sit down, come talk to me." And so, whatever. We've been we've been good friends for many years, and and kind of in my reapproach, um, I did I just didn't want to do the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's boring. Um, and man, I am up for a challenge now. Yeah, right. Yeah, who wants to talk to you know the soap lady? Right. It's true. I mean, it's as a product goes, regardless of the quality that you have, it's not the sexiest thing it's to not talk the about. Sexiest yeah. thing, right? Right. Soap you like right? But soap lady. but you know, I just make you know, I make fun of myself. I did a training yesterday, and I walk in with my clogs. I'm like, I'm the coffee doctor, right? Here, you know. So, who yeah. is your clientele? You know, is it how hashtag everyone? Do you right? But we, if you go out on a training, I imagine it's a pretty big thing. Sure. Well, I'm trying as much as humanly possible since I, um, Don, um, lives in Chicago and he actually had covered the world with, with Josh for many years, right? Okay. Global sales, right? Um, but then he's been the VP of operations in North America for the last many years. And so I'm in the West, Texas up to Saskatchewan, Canada, West. 
So I try to do a train the trainer. Is that above? Like, where is Saskatchewan? That's above North Dakota. Is that, okay, cool. Yeah, Sick. yeah, nice. yeah. I don't, I don't know what I'm getting at. Pretty big territory. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's a big one. But I got, I don't know. The cool thing is, like, I've got an amazing role. I was in British Columbia last week um, with some important um, roasters, distribution partners. Um, but every day is different, right? I might be working on uh, something with Chevron Extra Mile today and then be at the Intercontinental Hotel downtown LA, which is their flagship location, the next day. Whoa. And yeah, yeah. so it's so like when every you, day is different. Oh, so let's say you meet with someone from Chevron. Is that like a district manager who manages no, like 15 No, it's a person things? who decides like what the equipment is, what the coffee okay. is going to be for 800 locations. 800 locations. Yeah. It's like a whole scenario. Right, right. And so, yeah, so for example, um, Bill Furman from Wilbur Curtis yeah. called me when they were working on that project. Yeah, Bill's like, our rep over here. He's the yeah. guy. Yeah, he's great. And Scott Grimes. Um, but uh, they they called me because there's an initiative that's going to roll out next year. I'm like, what do you recommend? And so they were in a pilot program. And so we, sh- so we you know, got together like the right, you know, pack sizes is you know, brew through packet, make it super easy to, you know, that's my hotel background, right? Yeah. Is you, it has to be easily executed so that there is no barrier to, you know, happening. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and so th- with, with training materials too, with your staff, you have to, you know, break it down to the little bitty pieces that people understand the importance of each step. Yeah. So, so specialties, a pretty small portion of your overall market or, People like us, I guess. Uh, you're Are, important, though, because right. because you guys set the standard, right? Right. Mm. right? In terms of quality execution, mm-hmm. that is the standard bearer. And so, therefore, and also, too, for us as an organization to continue to be growing and evolving and um, getting feedback of things that work and don't work, we're right. going to get the most feedback from those roasters you know, and retail operators that are super engaged in being better t- tomorrow than they are today. That totally makes right. sense. Man, so you're having fun with it? Yeah. Yeah. You, you kidding me? I get to take care, take care of folks and develop training materials. And, you know, m- our marketing is basically, it's helping, you know, helping yeah. drive value to businesses to be able to grow their sales, right? right. You know, if, if you have a cafe on it, you know, and you're not cleaning your gear. I mean, we went to um, a, a franchise operation and 28 locations um, and we'll, we'll call it, you know, they weren't buying much. And so Don and I went in and this franchise owner had within three, three months before had owned a dollar store. Uh-oh. He and just I th- came in hot. The, like, yeah, this, this is one, my thing. No, this woman's great lady, right? <laughs> and so she had they had sold their franchise of a dollar store, but they need help, right? They need right. They just don't know. They don't know. They don't right. know what they don't know. So you know, and they were they had two grinders, but they're only using one of them because one of them was seized up with oil. It was just sitting there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh man. So that's kind of gratifying when you can when you can be helping folks and That's helping cool. them, you know, make money, right. And stay right. in business. Cause you know, it's not nonprofit. That's a gracious perspective too. Cause I think a lot of people in our industry might just go straight to being really hard on businesses. And I think that that's really cool to hear you just come and be like, they just didn't know what they didn't know. And right, then like, I'm here to help. What the fuck are you doing? You yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, yeah. most, I feel like most people that I talk to in our industry are more on that level, like idiots. They're just idiots. And it's like, maybe they're not. <laughs> You, you could, know, you could Baldwin them. The least you could do is clean your grinder. 
<laughs> I, no, that is I cool. I really appreciate that stance, and I think it's a really positive look at just humanity in general and the way we treat people in our industry. The cool, Yeah, because you can apply that line of thinking to anything that you sell, any, you know any kind of asset that you have and have like a really great time with it because it didn't at Absolutely. that point it doesn't matter that you're the soap lady right as you say you're like i'm actually making people's lives better i'm actually making people able to do things make money and do the things that they want to do that's right, right. And so that's get legit. Onto the, to get onto the things that you know they'd rather be doing right? right they're they're not worried about their losing sales and um you know trying to cut their way to success but they're then um, their ops are dialed, right? Their operations dialed, so you don't have to worry about that. So you can be creative about creative marketing techniques right. or what have you. Using two grinders instead of one. Yeah, right. I don't know. Might Speeding be a little up the process by like only at least half, <laughs> <laughs> like or whatever. I'm just, just throwing it out there. Fifty <laughs> percent efficiency increase. Hundred percent efficiency. We got it. You got it. You got a spreadsheet for that, right? I got a spreadsheet for. I don't have any spreadsheets. Charles, Charles has a has lot spreadsheets of spreadsheets for everything. Right on. I have no spreadsheets. I couldn't make a spreadsheet to save my life. Ooh, I can't. I like them. Pivot tables. Oh mm. God, no! I can't. I Dude, can't. a pivot table. I actually don't. You can I, do it. It's I like could. It, it's drag and dropping now. Oh, see that Excel's seems made okay. it super easy. You can like just drag the the thing over to yeah. Don't tell Charles that. I okay. think he's still doing Charles it the is old still way. on the Acer from '82, <laughs> and he he will not leave it. Charles is like, this is the best. We're like, you could probably shift to a Mac, and he's like, no, they don't. Mac doesn't get it. And I'm like, maybe they do, and maybe they don't. But I can tell yeah. you, this 100 dollars Acer laptop is. I converted back to Mac. You back to Mac? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mac's just so easy yeah. for me. me I too. can't do anything else. You hear that? And drag it works, and drop works all the time. Chuck, <laughs> Macintosh, Chuck. <laughs> you heard it here. It's one of our from classic Maria Cleveland, fights. Chuck. <laughs> Maria, I wish you lived closer. Well, you do live close, You're but you, yeah, you just travel it's, a lot. Yeah, close, but it's so far away. You're just a warm presence, and it's really fun you. to have you around. My wife said the same thing because she just met you the last time you were here, and yeah. she's like, "I really like Maria." And I was like, "I know, <laughs> I know, I just what I was telling you." But you know, my wife's actually a hard sell. Oh, okay, she, she is. really is. It was, my wife you know, what it was because Megan was charming and playing with. No, the girls. no, no. She liked both of you, but mm. she specifically said on her own later, "I really like Maria." Oh, Jared's cool. wife didn't even like Jared at first. <laughs> it's true. That was a hard sell. Damn likable. He was a hard sell. Maybe because I tried all my over-the-top moves with her. (laughs) All of a Took some chili spilling. (laughs) Whatever, dude. To seal the deal. I don't care. It's so corny. Stop trying to be so buttoned up, And you haven't been here all these times. I've I've actually been here. I I I take that back. When you guys did the pop-up. That one. I came down and we did the cupping. Yeah, we had the little whatever that thing was called. No. Yeah, the Kong Brewer. It was the Kong, Kong Brewer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was fun. But no, I but I haven't seen you physically in this. Yeah, in this. I'm hard to catch. Okay, for whatever reason, elusive. We'll I bounce say. a lot. I never stay in one place all day. I'll be here, there, and then I end up traveling a little more than sure. him on yeah. the flexibility tip. So. I might be, to, you know. To doing, purchasing coffee? No, okay. no, I don't go to that. It's mostly kind of just um, event-related things. So okay. like in LA, like I was in LA with Breville because they were just doing a bunch of stuff with home brewing and home espresso machines. Right. And then I'm going to New York Coffee Festival oh. next week. Are you competing? Are you a no, coffee master? No, I've never even seen one of those things in person. We, actually, I'm excited for him to come. I was going to go, but I have a thing. Mm-hmm. I invited him to go. He's, he's doing workouts. Oh, I had pre-signed up to be in a competition. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. I was like, you got to go. And he's like, I'm going to lift weights. I, uh, <laughs> it's 
cooler than that, Chris? Yeah, One of no, my buddies cool. from Colorado is... is um, oh, no, take that back. No, not Colorado. No, it's Aga from Poland is competing. No, there you go. Aga's bringing the heat. Dude. I'm really excited to see that. I saw the uh, submission videos that mm-hmm. everybody made, mm-hmm. and it's cool because it's an international competition. It's yeah. all, I love to see the different perspectives because... California for me is the best place to live, but you've been everywhere to get coffee a million times and you kind of know how it's going to go. So one to go to the East coast again is going to be fun. And then two to see like taste, hopefully coffees from all over the world. It's It's great. I mean, I'm jealous. Yeah. I mean, I went to the London coffee festival two years ago for the first time. Like this is the most fun four days in the coffee industry that I've had in a really long time. Yeah. Um, and then, and then New York's been in, this will be its third year. And, um, it was a heat wave last year. It was a little cray cray, but, was it? Uh, but yeah, it's fun. It's coming on. And I think it's, 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 um, such a great city to, you know, get coffee folks together. And, um, um, I'm hope I'm optimistic that, you know, in the next co- couple of years, it's going to continue to grow. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. Hot seat question, knee jerk mm-hmm. reaction. Mm-hmm. Is it taking over long-term the, as the premier coffee competition over the barista U S or world barista championship? Well, you know, I do the, do like the multidisciplinary approach. Yeah. Right. And, and, um, um, I'm stoked. I'm actually, so with this role, are you check this out? Yeah. I get, I, I have the distinct opportunity to go to Arkansas for the first time in my life. I'm going nice. to go, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Little Rock and I'm going to fly into Little Rock and then I'm going to drive to s- go see Onyx. Yeah. And I call just like my buddy, Josh at Novo, who I call a coffee decathlete yep. because he's done barista. He's done, um, brewer's cup and I think cup tasters. Right. Right. But Onyx they perform as a team yeah, they got a and they're like crushing it. it at all at mm-hmm. high levels. Yep. And so I almost think that there needs to be like a company competition or it's like a team competition. But I will say that the, that I, I think it's you cool. Think it I, I, I don't know. Okay. I, 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 I'm, I'm not on the panel or the yeah. board that decides what the competitions look like. Um, I, do advocate from a personal perspective on just the barista competition for there to be something like the roasters um, competition mm-hmm. where the coffee is given to chosen the for chosen. You. I think that's smart. Yeah. Because just like, okay, like the Good Food Awards, um, you know, in the Bay Area, it's a lot of natural Ethiopians, yeah. right? right? Because it's it's in Jan, you know, or September every year, right? Um, you know, so it's a means of like, you know, what's new crop. So, um, or, or I don't know, maybe mix it up every year. Like this year, it has to be a three bean blend from these three growing regions right. done. And then it separates the wheat from the chaff. Well, we of, talked, oh, sorry. I that's right? awesome. Right? We talked about this before and we talked about, you have to decide what you want to measure. So yeah. if it's a barista competition, you want to measure barista skill, you might want to take out of it that this one company can afford to buy coffee that's $50 a pound green, and this other company can only buy coffee that's 4 or $5 a pound green, yeah. and that's the best, best they can yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. And that puts that other barista yeah. who has less money right. to spend at a huge disadvantage. Right. Yeah, and, and I think also the approachability of it. It seems, I think there are been folks that I've spoken to that it seems somewhat intimidating to, yeah. get, to get into at this point, whereas 15 years ago it was not as much... So, um, and I don't know, I've been encouraging him to, um, Steve Maloney, to um, host one of his um, barista 
um, I'm blanking on what he calls it. Just Google Stephen Maloney. Well, yeah. barista competition. He does them in Europe. Okay. Um, and Sarah Allen connected me with them. And um, they've done now four. And it's just a very, like, laid back, you know, get a, like 50 baristas together, which typically would just be a throwdown. Everybody get drunk. But no, they do all <laughs> these these crazy, um, you know, blind, you know, blindfold and pour the latte art, do a triangulation, do all different kinds of things that you need to have some skills. Right. And you can roll in and then, you know, win a trip to origin. And these right? happen or, in Europe? Yeah. So Stephen Maloney, he's the um, s- s- uh, Swedish barista champ. Okay. Um, but then is his side hustle. He's an industrious young man. Huh. Um, yeah, that's what he's come up with. And sorry, it, Stephen. <laughs> sorry, Stephen. <laughs> I mean, in the theme of competition, this is something that's interesting because I am doing this competition the same weekend he's going. Which one's up? It's just it's a CrossFit. It's an affiliate cup. Oh, so it's, oh, it's with your pumping iron. It's, it's, it's pumping a, but iron. But yeah, but CrossFit totally. It's it's yeah. It's <laughs> like fitness. So it's yes. pumping iron's part of it, but it's also weird other gymnastics-y stuff. But the point I'm getting at is. It's a multifaceted thing, CrossFit. I'm new to it. But what happens is I don't know. Nobody knows what you're going to have to do for this competition Mm -hmm. until one week before it. And there's so many different things you do in CrossFit that you practice all the time. Mm -hmm. And you have to be good at all of it. And so I do agree with you. It'd be really cool to provide the right amount of time that people could actually practice a little bit. But just like... Heads up! This is this is what you're going to become judged under in this competition, and you can't actually prepare you too can't much. Train for the because, competition for like yeah, a year. You have or to whatever. actually be good at everything, and we're going to throw the gamut at you, mm-hmm. and then you're going to show up and you'll win because you're actually good <clears throat> at everything. You're mm-hmm. actually in CrossFit, good at gymnastics mm-hmm. and anaerobic, and you're strong, and right. there's all these weird things. Yeah, and technical. Well, the, one other thing is that um, I think for quote unquote specialty coffee to continue to grow and evolve and bring people along, right. To get them to, to trade up. Um, and from my perspective, it's just so we can be paying more for green so that those right. <laughs> that are doing really the heavy lifting, um, can be paid more and not have wage stagnation like they've had since 1970, which is wrong. It's kind of and a long criminal. Time. Um, but, um, I think engaging, um, you know, the liquor industry and engaging, yes. you know, culinarians more and collaborating, um, so that it's you know we're not navel gazing and we're having this competition and it's just us oh, yeah. cheering ourselves on. So you're actually you know you know maybe you know having events that are at you know because I, I recently um, had a friend who's in the um, craft beer industry and they clued me into the big craft beer thing that was going on in Austin. So I dug into it a little bit and very collaborative industry. And, um, so I don't know, wouldn't that be cool if the barista competition was at like it would a be brewer's cool. thing? Yes. Yeah, everything is way, it's so insular. We have this like little self masturbatory thing going on. Like you're great. You're great. Cool. <laughs> five people know about us. And now next year, five people still know about us. Yeah. Which yeah. that's why I was well, super bummed when they changed the regional yeah. setup at first. Yeah. You're going to be stoked. If you go to Korea, I went last year to scope it out um, because of course, because the worlds are there this year. That is and the Koreans are so stoked about coffee and they're bringing their kids. So the first two days, Thursday, Friday are commercial. And then Saturday and Sunday, it is crushed 
with consumers. Like families go? Families, That's yes. Sick. They're bringing yeah. the kids. Yeah. That's so and then, tight. you know, and, you know, and I'm there and I'm, you know, using the Bonavita kettle to make a Chemex and there's like families there, you know, taking pictures of, you know, and whatever. I love that. That's so, super cool. So, th- so I think the, you know, SCA and, you know, us, we, we have something to, you know, now that it's more of a global organization, um, or bringing Europe into the fold, I think, um, yeah, different ways to market ourselves beyond, yeah, our insular natures. Got some you should probably run for president, actually. I think you're, <laughs> you're on fire. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to listen to you more. I'm just hanging out with you guys. You, you, you egg me on, right? I'd vote for you. I'd vote for you for <laughs> sure. <laughs> That'd be easy. That'd be an easy decision to make. I think we pulled like a... We pulled hard. Oh, this we was easy. Extremely easy to talk to you. We're over we're an hour and six-ish, seven minutes now. So uh, We're going to chop it up. Is there any nugget of knowledge that you yeah, want to leave drop everyone them? with? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Peter uh, Cleveland uh, says, so, so, always yeah. make your bed in the morning. Peter Ward. That's <laughs> step number one to success. <laughs> right, right. Um, yes, uh, yes. No ums. Um, as I say that. I, I have a on my... Um, LinkedIn profile um, and my actually my my Twitter handle and my um, Instagram handle is Zoomer PC because I got a Twitter account before I even knew what it would be and it was my dog's name but whatever I digress again sorry I keep dragging this out I don't <laughs> no, want to go good. home I love it but um, no but um, my motto I'll call it my motto hospitality coffee innovation so so the the thing is that whatever you do in in your work or in your personal life is starting with bringing people into your heart right that's the essence of hospitality treating those as if they're in your home Mm -hmm. um coffee is my nerd fest right Um, right and then and but then also that the last is innovative thinking you always need to be pressing yourself and and thinking of like okay I've, i've done something this way for so long why why am i stuck in this pattern let's you know continue to grow and evolve that's good that's That's a sweet nugget that's the perfect nugget in on i like that everybody this was maria cleveland thank you maria that was amazing i love the stories great to visit we should have you back at some point yeah because we need to finish these stories yeah there's more stories to be had i hope everyone out there has an awesome weekend we'll see you later bye tomorrow